On episode 30 of Stone Cold Sports Talk, Taftian is sold on the Buffalo Bills. Jay Banzett tries to replace Joe Douglas as general manager of the New York Jets. William Smith is adamant that Devontae Smith should win the Heisman, and I'm back in on the Dallas Cowboys. All that's coming up on a new Stone Cold Sports Blog record for longest podcast episode, I think. Stick around. Welcome into Stone Cold Sports Talk episode 30. We're going to dive right in here. We're a sports podcast. We're supposed to have some pretty hot takes that will become cold in about a couple months. Taft, why don't you lead us off with your most blazing, steaming hot take from last week? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, After watching the Bills on Monday Night Football, they look pretty darn good. They're my Super Bowl pick. I say the Buffalo Bills, led by Josh Allen, are going to win the Super Bowl. He threw for four touchdowns against the Patriots. Um, on Monday night, setting a franchise record for the Bills at 34 passing touchdowns. He also ran for uh, eight TDs this season as well. I think that he has a strong pitch for MVP. I don't know if he's going to win it over Rodgers or Mahomes, but Josh Allen has had a season that is really unprecedented in Buffalo, um, and I think that they are hot. Their toughest challenge is going to be Kansas City in the AFC Championship. I think the winner of that game will win the Super Bowl, and because – um, there won't be any fans or it might be limited capacity. It won't have, it won't give the chiefs too big of an advantage. Um, and I think the bills will win that game and go on to win the super bowl and side note, bills mafia are the best fans in the NFL. I don't know if you guys were watching Monday night football, but they won an award for best fans in the NFL and they, their prize was putting up a billboard anywhere they wanted. So they put it three miles out on route one, of Gillette Stadium for for all the Patriots fans to see every day, um, which is just a savage thing for Bills Mafia to do. So Bills are my pick for the Super Bowl. Not sure how you guys feel about that, but I think Josh Allen's going to get it done this year. I know there are a lot of Bills fans from the 1990s and the Jim Kelly era who are knocking every single piece of wood within about a half mile radius because the last thing they want is someone predicting the Bills to win the Super Bowl, just like they did with the Cowboys 49ers little uh, stretch there in the early 90s, four in a row, four in a row. All right, next up is Jay. Give us your steaming, piping hot take from last week. It was something to do with the National Basketball Association, but then I see yours down the script, Luke Stone, and I have amended mine. You are saying something about the New York Jets, so I will take it even a step further than what you're saying. I think they're locked into the number two pick right now. They should trade down and find somebody who is stupid, in my mind, stupid enough to take Justin Fields at number two and expect the same production. Because whenever when you have Justin Fields on your team, you're you're he's going to either constantly live in the shadow of Trevor Lawrence. So, and I don't think I don't. I'm not saying he's not very good. I'm just saying I would not want to be Justin Fields right now because Trevor Lawrence is just going to be stud all pro every year, that kind of player. And Justin Fields is just going to be living in his shadow, trying to meet that same expectation for whoever ends up being at number two, maybe the Jets, maybe somebody else. So if I'm the New York Jets, I am trading down as soon as possible, probably no further than like four or five um, because they need – 
help everywhere and it starts at wide receiver because stone i know you have jamison crowder or you had jamison crowder on your fantasy team and you dropped him and he's number one receiver on the team that shows how bad they are at the wide receiver position so if the jets i cannot imagine a, a scenario when they take justin fields right now at number two so i think they should definitely trade down to slots four five six area accumulate some more draft picks maybe a later first round pick maybe a second round pick and then a, a pick in the four through eight range and get Devonte Smith, a Jamar chase or Jalen Waddle kind of player. I like these uh, particular hot takes. Cause it seems like uh, Taft or excuse me, uh, Jay William and I all decided to tackle the rookie quarterback question a little bit. William, your hot take for the week. First of all, may I just say that I think the Jets should stay at two and take Penny Sewell, probably the best offensive line prospect we've seen in uh I don't know, maybe since Tony Mandarich, which is a little concerning. Um, so I think they should stay and then pick up. This is a pretty deep wide receiver class. I think that they could get someone like Rondale Moore, Amon Ross, St. Brown in the second round. So that's personally my take on the Jets. But my hot take, um, this is the most talented quarterback class we've ever seen. I wanted to make it piping hot. Um, and I know there's a lot of talent in this class, so I don't know if that comes as much of a surprise, but you got T-Law, Zach Wilson, who's probably had, I mean, he's had a Joe Burrow type year in terms of going up draft boards. Fields, who is kind of a shoddy decision maker, but still one of the best talents in this class. Trey Lance, a raw player out of North Dakota State, and then two great pocket passers in Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. And I want to give Kellen Mond and Felipe Franks a little bit of credit too, but um, they could both turn into, I put down here, Felipe Franks could be the next Josh Allen. Sam Ellinger could be the next 2015 Cam with his dual threat ability. So you have guys who are down there who could still be threats. Um, the forgotten ones, I should say, in this quarterback class. But you have a generational talent, two quarterbacks who would have been quarterback one any other year with Wilson Fields, and then two great pocket passers and Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, who are both Heisman contenders. So I think that this is an extremely top-heavy class, but going with six guys who could have legitimately long and productive pro careers, I think this could be the, one of the most talented and successful um, quarterback classes we've seen. While we're all trying to claim Joe Douglas's job as general manager of the New York Jets, here's my Jets take for the week. I do not think the New York Jets should use a first-round pick on a quarterback. Sam Darnold is not that bad. He has not been good, but he's not that bad. And he needs weapons more than anything else right now. Now, obviously they could, I think Jay is right. They probably should trade down to the mid top 10, maybe six or seven. I don't know who's down there, but basically let someone else trade up, take Justin Fields, keep Darnold for a year. And then immediately with that pick, I don't really know if they need Sewell that much uh, just because Mekhi Becton has been pretty good for them this season. I think that more than anything, you need Jamar Chase or you need Devontae Smith or someone who is going to make plays for you as a wide receiver because Sam Darnold has been throwing to no one for the last three years, basically. Um, and I think that with how deep this class is, and I'm not saying, I don't know if I necessarily agree that this is the most talented quarterback class we've ever seen, but Max Jones and Kyle Trask aren't going to be first rounders. And they're guys that you could probably take and have, you know, be plug and play for a year while you're waiting for the guy. The biggest reason I think the Jets shouldn't take a quarterback, though, is Darnold has shown promise. Um, firing Todd Bowles was probably uh, a, one of the worst decisions the New York Jets made, um, I think, in the last five years because he was fine. I think they went 10 and six the year before or two years before they drafted Darnold. 
um, and getting rid of him never really made sense to me. Uh, I do think though, that if Darnold is given another year with a new coach, maybe Eric Bieniemy, someone who actually knows how to run an offense. Cause clearly Adam Gase, despite being this quarterback guru is not that good um, at turning those guys around. Now we're seeing Ryan Tannehill as the fourth or fifth best quarterback in the AFC. And for his three years in Miami, um, he was nowhere near the top 15, top 20 in the NFL. Uh, but all the, all that aside, Darnold has probably another year left. You're still not having to extend him yet. You can still give him that one last chance. And if it doesn't work, when, when do we think is the next time that a quarterback is not going to go in the top five of the NFL draft? If Darnold's a whiff, you bench him. You put some other no-name guy like Joe Flacco back there. You lose a ton of football games. And guess what? Every single year, it seems like there's some guy we overhype into making the next Andrew Luck or um, not necessarily that big, but, you know, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota went one, two, Jared Goff and Carson Wentz went one, two. And I think there's maybe one of those guys you'd want on uh, to be your starting quarterback. Now you can take your pick who, but there's always some guy we elevate maybe next year. It's Sam Howell or um, someone like that. And he's someone who has potential um, obviously to be a, a first round quarterback. And I'm just not sure if Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or whoever you get it to is any better than the replacement that you get. And of course you have a guy in Sam Darnold who is a four-star prospect, a Heisman, um, a, he a preseason Heisman hopeful in 2017 and led the USC Trojans to an 11-3 and three record um, his last year um, at SoCal. So there's clearly something there. And I just don't think he's had the coaching yet to give up on him. And you can get someone whenever you want in the first round in the top 10 of an NFL draft at quarterback. Stone, I got a hot take for you. Sam Darnold is the reason that Clay Helton is still a coach at USC. I agree. I, I mean, one of my one of my talking points on this was he's really never had a good coach as long as he's been in the national lot. Clay Helton would be gone from USC if it weren't for that Pac-12 championship 11 and three season when they finished, I think, sixth or seventh um, in the final college football playoff rankings. And he's just never had a true quarterback whisperer that a guy like Patrick Mahomes or for a couple for, you know, a little bit, at least Matt Nagy is probably better for Mitch Trubisky than um, Adam Gase has been for Sam Darnold. So that's my piping hot take. The New York Jets should not use their first round pick as a quarterback and Sam Darnold should absolutely be the week one starter um, heading into next season. And if you look at next year's draft, the Jets have two picks, two first round picks. And if they do end up getting um, Panay Sewell, who is a, outstanding offensive lineman and then they use that second pick which is number 27 to get a wide receiver give Sam Darnold some more help on offense because he really hasn't had that since he's been in New York I think he has potential to um, do good things in New York and there's always some guy who's like a you know not to use video games here too much but a 77 overall guy in Madden who can play wide receiver that you can just pick up like a Demarcus Robinson who's just like always kind of out there as someone who's at least a little better than what Denzel Mims, I guess they, ha they have the epitome of that player in Jameson Crowder. Yeah. So then, and also I think Jalen Waddle could definitely tumble into the twenties because of the injury, um, assuming he doesn't play this week against Notre Dame. And that is a huge pickup to have as a speedy slot guy um, who really kind of is some sort of weapon on your offense. And then, you know, maybe you get Najee or ETN um, or Brees Hall or someone like that. And you really kind of ha start having a dynamic offense moving on though. Locks of the week. A lot of our records are still pending. We're going to count this as the first official week of locks of the week because last week was our warm up and also all the bowl games that some of us looking at you Taft uh, decided to use for your locks were actually not of the week. So that is a giant asterisk there. 
Uh, William, you'll lead us off with uh, uh, your mixed bag of college football and NFL locks. All right. I'm going to start with Cleveland and Pittsburgh this weekend. A pretty high-stakes game for the Browns. Um, Pittsburgh's already in the playoffs. They clinched the AFC North, but Cleveland's looking to get that last spot. I am taking the over here at 42.5. I feel like this is pretty darn low for two teams who are very capable on offense. Obviously, it's not a game where teams are these guys are going to be resting their players and the Browns wide receivers – um, their core was decimated this past week. I mean, I think they had all four receivers gone. Um, it was an Austin Hooper game, but now they're going to have Higgins and Landry back. So Mayfield will have all of his weapons on the field with him. Um, and I think that they're going to be pissed off after that loss to the Jets, and they're going to be seeking a playoff bid. I think this game definitely goes over 42 and a half just because of these two offenses. Um, and now I, I changed my pick here. Oklahoma, um, two-point favorites versus Florida. I'm going to keep – I'm going to keep uh, or change my pick to the Sooners here since uh, Florida has lost all of its weapons for the game. No pits, Kadarius, Tony, Trevon Grimes, and I think Jacob Copeland's out with COVID complications. Um, Florida has literally survived off of their offense only and will struggle on defense against Rattler, I think has improved over this season. And it should be mentioned that Marco Wilson is not playing. So that is very, you know, this is unfortunate for Oklahoma, but I think they'll get over it. I think that they will find a way to exploit the weaknesses with Marco Wilson out. And the problem is Oklahoma actually does have a very good defense, second best in the country against the run. So the Sooners will basically focus on a depleted receiving core. And I think Trask will struggle somewhat. Um, my last pick, Army, seven-point dogs versus West Virginia. I mean, I got to go with the cadets here. Like, it just doesn't make sense. They, they weren't even given a bull a shot to get into a bowl. And now they're playing a West Virginia team. It was very mediocre in the big 12. They lost three out of their last five. I'm always going to give the upper hand to the team with the crazy offense and the triple option. I think that's always very hard to prepare for. And I think army's going to be really, really motivated coming into this one. I don't think West Virginia is all that it's cracked up to be, especially getting it bid as a four and five team, I think. So I'm going to go with army um, cover the spread. And those are my picks. Before we uh, head to our next person, who I guess is Jay, um, I would just like to ask an open question to the group. Can you name a pass catcher for the Florida Gators uh, with all of those guys out? And it can't be a running back. It can't be Damian Pierce, and it can't be uh, Malik Davis. Justin Shorter. Okay, that's the only one. That's it. Anyone else? Oh, uh, Kamori Gamble, the tight end. Yes. Stone, Stone uh, it, it doesn't really matter. Oh, it I know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> It will not matter. All right, Jay, you hit us with your locks. So, yeah, I'm going to – I had this last week, but I like what William's doing with Oklahoma. Um, Florida may not score 14 points in this game, if we're being entirely honest. Uh, I love Kyle Trask. A lot of people do, but look at Sam Darnold. What do you do with, like, a guy with nothing around him? He can't do much. So, I got Oklahoma with William. I got Taft, you're going to like this. NC State is a two-and-a-half-point dog over the Kentucky Wildcats in their bowl game, and I cannot stand NC State for the life of me. I never have liked them at all. Um, but they're eight and three, and Kentucky's four and five, and enough is said. Uh, an eight and three team is the underdog against a four and five mediocre team. Um, so I'm taking NC State plus two-and-a-half and the money line there. The – Arizona Cardinals play the LA Rams this weekend in a 
win and go home, win or go home uh, game for both teams. And Jared Goff is not playing. And the money line, or excuse me, the spread is split. It is even. So I don't understand that. Kyler Murray is going to play. Jared Goff is not. John Wolford, a former Wake Forest quarterback, will step in for him. Portals is going to so, back him up. I don't know if that changes anything. Or, I'm just throwing it Portals out. was literally signed like 20 minutes ago. So I got the Cardinals with the money line and spread and everything. The Honestly, the Rams, they looked horrible last week on offense. They may not score 10 points in this game. So Arizona money line and spread of being even right now. I got the Packers minus five and a half over Chicago. We know what happened the last two times these teams got together. I think it was three weeks ago in Green Bay. The Packers still have something to play for because they can still lock up the one seed. They're not the Chiefs with everything solidified yet, and they are just a red-hot team with an MVP quarterback trying to earn home field advantage. Oh, and it's maybe the most historic rivalry in the NFL, so that's just enough said. It was already a blowout earlier in the season, giving the Packers minus five and a half. And then whenever I get the opportunity to do this, I'm going to take it. The Chargers are three-and-a-half-point favorites over Kansas City because Kansas City is literally benching everybody. So give me the Chargers minus three-and-a-half because you never get to bet against the Chiefs, but now you do. So I'm doing that. Chargers minus three-and-a-half. Chad Henney, the fact that he's still in the NFL is kind of remarkable, I would say. Jay, going to your Rams pick, I agree. I think Cardinals will win. What happened to Jared Goff? I mean, he went from being a Super Bowl quarterback to just looking awful against Seattle last week. What happened to Carson Wentz? Carson, Carson, Wentz, takes draft of, class. Carson Wentz takes most of the crap for being the, like, the fall of quarterbacks, but Jared Goff honestly has fallen off more than Wentz has because they have gone from a Super Bowl contender to – having the league's best defense and potentially missing the playoffs with the league's best defense. That's how bad they are. All right. So my locks of the week are copying what I had last week since those games are um, on Thursday and Friday. I have UGA Cincinnati over 50 and a half Georgia with JT Daniels have gone way over the total. They've almost covered the over for the game by themselves um, and JT Daniels, three starts. So I have over 50 and a half there. And then Florida, Oklahoma, like you guys have said, I think the Sooners are going to roll past the Gators. I thought they were going to win regardless, but especially now that Florida has so many players opting out. And then going to the NFL, Jets at Patriots under 41. Both teams average less than 20 points per game. Uh, I know the Jets have been hot recently, and they're probably going to want to win this game. Uh, because they've already, they're already a lot for the number two pick. And I don't see either team scoring more than 20 points. I have the under at 41 there. That's the Darnold keeps his job game. If he goes out and he has probably more than 250, then it becomes a conversation on New York Talk Radio. And Mike Frances has got to uh, mention it incessantly for the next four months, five months till the draft. All right, my locks of the week. Here we go. First one, Houston is a seven and a half point underdog against Tennessee. First of all, historically, the Texans have won four of the last five meetings in Houston um, in this divisional rivalry. Uh, secondly, Deshaun Watson already uh, has an incredible season and was a pro bowler despite his team being at four and 11 and currently owning the number three pick in the NFL draft. Um, but versus the Titans, he's been pretty good. He's been, uh, his career averages are 68% completions, uh, 267 passing yards, 8.3 yards per attempt, uh, 1.9 touchdowns. But in his career against Tennessee, 
Uh, he completes almost 74% of his passes, right around 275 passing yards, uh, a few more yards per attempt, and throws one more touchdown per game um, against the Titans. Of course, earlier this season, uh, when these two teams met, Romeo Cornell decided to go for two to make it a nine-point game rather than just kick the extra point and make it an eight-point game. Ended up not getting it. They were only up seven. Tannehill leads the drive uh, down the field to tie it. And then, of course, Derrick Henry uh, wins the game for the Titans in overtime. So Texans looking for a grudge match. Also worth noting, they don't own their first over or their first round pick. Um, that belongs to the Miami Dolphins. So there's no incentive for them to mail it in uh, and try to get into a better draft position because for them, it is entirely irrelevant. Um, and of course, seven and a half points is just a huge number in a week 17 divisional game. Um, the Titans recent wins were weak against Jacksonville and Detroit. We saw what, uh, what the Packers were able to do to them last week. I know Houston has no weapons, um, but even, even with uh, some of their guys being out recently, six of their last eight games have been decided by one possession or fewer. So I like Houston to cover seven and a half. I think Tennessee probably still gets the win, clinches their playoff spot, um, all that good stuff. So I'm going to say uh, Titans 31, Texans um, 28 in Houston in the second uh, round of that season series. Also, Steelers plus seven against the Browns. The Browns lost to the Jets. Obviously, a giant asterisk is there because of the fact that Baker Mayfield was throwing two guys on the practice squad. There was some guy named Jamarcus, and I was just taken back to Jamarcus Russell, um, who we kept throwing to uh, off the practice squad. That's a, Hold on, Stone. That's extraordinarily relevant because we just had Jamarcus Russell 2.0 happen yesterday in Washington. That's another hot take. Oh, yeah, with Haskins. That's Yeah, that is a good hot take. Um, the Steelers finally got their stuff together in the second half against the Colts. Big Ben looked good. Uh, there was a lot of debate this week about the Steelers and the Bills and whether they're going to rest any of their starters. I don't think either team will. Um, Pittsburgh still has a ton to play for, uh, and winning could be the difference between uh, between obviously having a home field advantage for their divisional game. Um, and I think that if you're playing Josh Allen and the hottest team in the NFL and you have a chance to maybe uh, win your game and be playing your divisional uh, matchup against the Buffalo Bills, you would much rather it be if you're the Steelers in Pittsburgh than up in Buffalo, especially if uh, Buffalo allows fans in like the state of New York is debating doing uh, once they make the playoffs. So that's a huge thing. And then secondly, the Ravens are going to win and make the playoffs by beating Cincinnati Bengals. And if I'm Pittsburgh and I have any way to avoid having to play them in the first round, I'm absolutely doing it. Cause I think right now, if the Ravens and Steelers play as, as uh, improved as the Steelers looked on Sunday, I still think the Ravens probably um, come into that game uh, they might not have been favored in Vegas, but I'm sure, uh, you know, it's a, at worst a 50-50 shot um, for Baltimore to win. And on top of that, the Browns have won just one of their past eight games by more than a touchdown. They have been in close games every single week. Um, and I get Big Ben, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are still, you know, AFC North champions, uh, a touchdown dog against Cleveland. Sign me up for that all day. Now, my last one is by far my shakiest, but I'm just going to grab onto the rail with both hands. Cowboys minus three against the Giants. Here are some of the stats for the New York Giants. Ever since they went on that little win streak and looked like they were in the driver's seat um, for the NFC East, which I don't really think is a driver's seat. I think it's just a sidecar and they're getting dragged along by the NFL rules that dictate uh, that one of you has to win that division. Um, they have uh, lost 26 to seven, 20 to six and 27 to 13. Uh, that first loss was 26, seven against the Cardinals. Second one, 20 to six against the Browns. And that third one, um, 14 points to the Ravens uh, this past weekend. That averages out to them losing by 16 points the last three games. They have put up just 238 yards of offense on average during that stretch. 
The Dallas Cowboys, meanwhile, are getting hot at the right time. They've won three in a row, won 30 to seven, 41 to 33, and then of course 37 to 17 against the Eagles last week to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, they have been really good. Andy Dalton finally looked like uh, the best backup in the NFL, which I think what a lot of people thought he was coming into the season. And once Dak got hurt, um, they've been laying on the points and uh, the Cowboys outside chance to make the playoffs. And I just think that their roster is so much more talented by default. And most importantly, they unlocked Zeke Elliott last week. They finally figured out that if you give them the ball uh, 20 times and you know, the, the week of really good press for Tony Pollard and podcasts like ours talking about how Zeke needs to be traded. He woke up, he um, got out of bed in the morning on Sunday and said, I'm going to go dominate the Philadelphia Eagles. And he did 19 carries for 105 yards. And he looked really, really good. I do have one more uh, lock. It's a bonus futures lock. Devontae Smith is minus 180 to win the Heisman. I would say bet that. I don't think Mac Jones is going to get it. Trevor Lawrence didn't play enough games. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and facts or fake news as to whether or not that should matter. Uh, and that leads us into the segment number three, the throwback sports thing of the week. It is a doozy pig suey. Who's taking it? This Wait, is. I have, oh, I have a question for the group. I just, I just wanted to ask this question. This goes back to the Texans. Is David Johnson back in prime form? No. No. In prime form, he was the number one overall consensus pick in fantasy football. You want, remember those days, Stone, like 2017 or whatever? He was like the modern day. He he was the Christian McCaffrey of their of that season, and he's not there. Yeah, no, David Johnson's not back. Uh, still, even though he's better, it's still the worst trade the Houston Texans have ever made. Uh, getting rid of Hopkins and getting Johnson back. I agree. All right, let's hear about. Mr. McFadden. So Arkansas football, we stone Taft. I don't know about you, William. Earlier this season, we started throwing in Arkansas people for various national awards, coach of the year, player of the week, blah, blah, blah. Nonsense. It's just that extraordinarily cold now, but back when Arkansas was relevant in the grand scheme of college football, Darren McFadden was leading their backfield. He was a 2006 and 2007 Heisman Trophy runner-up. He did not win, but he got second twice. He won the Walter Camp Award in 2007, which is a form of the National Player of the Year. He won in 2006 and 2007 these list of awards. The Doak Walker Award, the Jim Brown Trophy, committed by or awarded by the Cleveland Club of Football, I think is the name for the top running back in the country the SEC Offensive Player of the Year, and was first-team All-America in both years. In 05, 06, and 07, he was first-team All-SEC, so his freshman, sophomore, and junior years, he was first-team All-Conference in the SEC, so that says something. And he is far and away the best player in Arkansas program history, and I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. He's third in SEC history in career rushing yards behind Herschel Walker, and recently Nick Chubb passed him a couple years ago. He had 4,590 yards in 38 games, so that's just a tick over 120 a game, and he had 41 career rushing touchdowns. He actually threw seven touchdown passes in three years and threw an interception. He completed 14 of 22 passes in three years for 205 yards, seven touchdowns, and a pick. So he was a running back who threw seven, touch or seven passes a year and two touchdowns a season. 
So he was a 2008 fourth overall pick, never really got going due to injury in the NFL, but he was a – I wish I could have watched him play because he was, like, damn good running back for a really bad program in Arkansas. Is this our second Arkansas Razorback on throwback sports thing? We had Mallet, right? We did have Mallet. And William Keenly adds in that he in the same backfield were Mr. the epitome of a one-year wonder, Peyton Hillis, and Felix Jones, a former Dallas Cowboy. Felix Jones is the ultimate throwback. All right, before we hit facts or fake news, um, we're adding in segment three and a half retractions. I am giving all of you the chance uh, to take back one of your takes from last week. I don't want my take to be Oklahoma is going to turn it around because I have one more take I want to retract. Had I known what I knew last week, I wouldn't have picked Oklahoma. Jay, I'm exempting you. You are allowed to amend your Oklahoma pick for free. Um, Taft, what would you like to retract from last week? Uh, I had the over in the Florida-Oklahoma game. It's, I think it was um, 72, which is just ridiculously high. But with Florida having all of their offensive players – and Oklahoma with Spencer Rattler, I think it's fair. Now that Florida's not playing any of their um, targets for Kyle Trask, I think there's no way that that number is reached unless Oklahoma does it single-handedly against a terrible Florida defense. They won't. 72 points is too high. So I will retract that pick gladly. So thank you for that opportunity, Stan. William. Well, for my takes – I think I was, I think I was two and L. So I'm going to stick, I'm going to ride that out. But now I'm looking at my college football predictions. Um, I think that I'm going to stick with Miami. I'm obviously going to change the Florida pick to Oklahoma. Like most people probably should. Um, still a little iffy on the Oregon, Iowa state game. Uh, Iowa state seems like they're pretty big favorites. But I think I'm gonna, I think I'm just gonna stick with all these. I'm gonna stick with Oregon, go with the Ducks, go with the AM, and the complete toss-up is Miami and the Cheese It Bowl. But I think I'm just gonna stick with the Hurricanes. I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen in that game. We've we've talked about it, and it could be a could be an absolute slugfest. But Miami 30 to 26 is my opinion. Do not have any confidence in anything related to the Cheese It Bowl. If that is one thing postseason college football fans should learn. Stone, I read the stats out to you earlier. The 2018 Cheese It Bowl between Cal and TCU for people listening. Nine combined turnovers, and both teams had fewer than 300 yards of offense. And for grand scheme of things, having under 300 yards of offense in a game is rare because it is really – bad like defenses get praised if they give up fewer than 300 yards in a game and both teams had that so cheese it bowl god bless them you better be in you quite literally do not know what's going to happen i would like to retract my pittsburgh steelers take from last week uh, i think i said that they will lose their wild card game i'm going to take that one back for the time being um just because i think in a home game in pittsburgh i'll say this if they play the ravens they're losing but after what I saw from Tennessee, should Tennessee win that division or lose that division to Indianapolis somehow? I like Pittsburgh more than I like um, Tennessee. I like Pittsburgh more than I like Miami. Uh, and I like Pittsburgh more than I like Indianapolis right now. And I think that especially if, uh, if they beat Cleveland this week, they'll really be in the right spot. And I like them to even beat the Browns for a third time this season if they end up beating them this week. And I like them even more um, 
I like him even more if they play Indy again, and I like him against Tennessee. I'm going to add another hot take here. I know I'm not supposed to do this this segment. I think the Cleveland Browns are going to miss the playoffs. I think they're going to lose to Pittsburgh and miss the playoffs. I never gave an actual score prediction for that game, but I think Pittsburgh covers and wins outright. Facts or fake news time. First and foremost, we've got Gonzaga will be the number one overall seed in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Someone who's watched any Zags basketball this year, take it. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I am so certain of this. It is incredible. I mean, you, you can't, the odds of them even losing a game in the West Coast Conference at this point, besides maybe to San Francisco, who slayed the UVA giant. Hey, 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 hey. St. Mary's. St. Mary's also. St. Mary. Okay, St. Mary's is, they've been a thorn in oh, Gonzaga's give, side. Give me a break. A they haven't been ranked in three years, Stone. Whoa, no, no. I, don't, I think they have. I, I think they have. No, they've definitely um, been. They definitely you, remember been. Jock, you remember Jock Landale? I mean, yeah. they, they've, got, they've got some talent, and they, uh, they recruit from down under. But Gonzaga is just head and shoulders above the competition in the West Coast Conference. The only team that I think is close to Gonzaga in terms of the top five teams is Baylor. But the Big 12 is more stacked than it's been, I think, in recent years. And Baylor's definitely going to drop one, two, three games in the Big 12. Gonzaga doesn't have a loss already. So I think that they are the clear-cut number one overall seed. Will I take Gonzaga versus the field? Probably not for the NCAA tournament, but they are pretty much a surefire bet to be a number one seed and probably the number one overall seed. Yeah, Gonzaga made UVA look like anybody but a Tony Bennett run squad. And I think that they're going to have the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. So that's a fact. And like William said, I mean, their conference, if they lose one game, they're probably still going to have that number one overall seed, but they've done their work in the non-conference schedule. Now it's time for them to dominate the Mountain West like they do every year, um, lock the Zags for a number one overall seed. And I wouldn't go far past saying that I'd take them against the field. I mean, this year, I don't even know who um, the other one seeds will be because basketball has kind of been hectic this year. So going to play basketball? I think the Zags could win it all this year, but they'll definitely be the favorite. I mean, they've, they're number one seed, it seems like, every year. And they never can get the job done. And a year like 2020, I think something crazy could happen. I'm going to say it's facts. Stone, I got another hot take for since three of us go to an ACC school. No ACC team will have a one seed. Completely because, agree. Because totally Duke, agree. Duke looks bad. Carolina looks just as bad. UVA can't beat a good team. Florida State is the only hope, and God bless them. I don't know if Leonard Hamilton can do it. My I think it's facts. That. I will say Baylor and Gonzaga were supposed to play whenever it was three weeks ago. That would have been – holy smokes. It was supposed to be postponed. I don't know if it's actually been postponed yet. Uh, if they have a new game date, if somebody wants to look that up. Uh, but that Baylor is the only team with a shot, really, because Gonzaga – it was – I watched a very small portion of the UVA game, and it looked like a varsity JV game. Um, and that's no disrespect to UVA. That's just praising Gonzaga out the roof, and they deserve it all. So, get, I think it's certainly a fact they'll be the number one seed. I think they'll win the tournament because normally you have, like, a number one overall seed, but you have, like, a somebody who's right there with them, like a one seed, and then just, like, a kind of hanging below them, and there's no real – team with them so i got gonzaga with a one seed for sure 
I can only name four West Coast Conference teams. I think Pepperdine's in the West Coast Conference, right? But do we think if the West Coast, if there were a West Coast Conference Pac-12 challenge, like, like you know, they have the ACC, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, do we think the West Coast Conference would win like 80% of those games? Is no. that possible? No. No. Are you sure? Gonzaga. You get wins from maybe you get wins from Gonzaga. You'd maybe get a win from you think like the top four teams though are like Gonzaga, St. Mary's, San Francisco, and Pepperdine. Pepperdine's and then, probably not even the fourth best. I'm probably leaving out some UC school. Like I, I don't even know who's in the rest of the, Davis, the West Coast Conference. So I, I don't think I think that Gonzaga would obviously get a win. St. Mary's would still be that'd be a hard bet to get a win against like a UCLA. The West Coast Conference is deeper than the SEC. The West Coast Conference has Gonzaga, Santa Clara, BYU, St. Mary's, Pacific, Portland, Loyola Marymount, San Francisco, Pepperdine, and San Diego. Okay, so if you take the Loyola Marymount historic uh, Paul Westhead 100 uh, points a game offense, then I think you're probably uh, – maybe you get a win there. Um, I'm going to say facts. Yeah, Gonzaga, absolutely the favorite to be the number one overall seed. Now I do wait. I have, all right. I have another one. Is Gonzaga the best team in this past decade compared to the Villanova 2018 national championship team, the Kentucky team that lost to Wisconsin and was, I think 38 or 37 and zero going into that game. They can Could this Gonzaga be, team be the best team. In the, I think the they day? can be if they run the table or almost run the table and win the national championship. They're in that conversation, but right now they're, Resume is their nine and O, whatever they are and O. So like they're really good and the potential will be really good. But right now I'm not signing off on Gonzaga um, being there. Not with Anthony Davis or not with um, the Carl Anthony Towns 2015 uh, Kentucky Wildcats up there. Yeah, they could be. They have the potential. They're gonna have to win the national championship to merit that title. Heck, even though they didn't win a national championship, I mean the Duke. Zion, RJ Barrett. And I'm not saying no, 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 no. You have way. to make the final four. No, you no, no. A better Duke had a better team in 2015 with Okafor and Winslow. Tyus Jones. Yeah. And Justice, that team was that team was Justice disgusting. Winslow. Oh. Justice Grayson Winslow's young years. Lottery pick in NBA history. Okay, that's Jaleel Okafor. That's true. Also, second overall pick. All right. Facts or fake news number two. The Chiefs are the least convincing 14-plus win team of the past uh, decade. Here are the other ones. Uh, the 14-2 Ravens last year, the 14-2 Pats in 2016, the 15-1 and Panthers in 2015, um, the 15-1 Packers in 2011, who lost to the Giants. I forgot that team existed. Uh, and then the 2010 New England Patriots also went 14-2 and lost that Super Bowl um, to – or I think that might have been – that might have actually been the year they lost in the AFC Championship to – Indianapolis. Um, either way, the Chiefs 14 and one right now on a 10 game win streak, and it's the least inspiring 10 game win streak in the history of the NFL. Probably, do we think that they are the least convincing 14 plus win team that we can remember? No, the Ravens last year they lost Baltimore. No, after- I'm saying convincing, not like most underachieving. I'm saying like where you were in Week 17 on all of those teams. No, Chiefs are defending a Super Bowl. 10-game win streak, still impressive. Um, their division isn't that weak either. I think the Chiefs are very capable, and their 14 wins um, are convincing, especially with Patty Mahomes at QB and all of his weapons on offense. So that's a fake news from Taft. Other thoughts? I'm going to say fake news also. I really wish the Steelers were in this conversation, so it would be a 
completely easy pick for the least convincing team. But I think we all know what the Chiefs can do coming into the playoffs. And yes, they did lose to the Raiders. That is a complete anomaly on their schedule. And they did struggle against the Panthers and um, And the the Dolphins. So, and last week, the Falcons. Yeah. Almost going into overtime with the Falcons. But so we all know having a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill as his offensive weapons, I don't think that anyone really doubts them that much coming off a Super Bowl. I think that the Ravens are probably the least convincing team, even though last year we would say they were extremely dominant and wouldn't lose in the playoffs. But I'm, I'm going to say the Chiefs are still pretty strong going into the playoffs. I'm going to go in a completely opposite direction. This may bite me in the butt, but the Chiefs have won eight straight by single digits. They have not blown somebody out in two months. And the Ravens last year, if we remember, we were like, can anybody beat the Ravens in the AFC? Like, this was not a debate. Um, Lamar Jackson was unanimous MVP. They were 14-2. and They looked unstoppable. They were unbelievable. And they had a defense that would, like, their defense last year and, frankly, this year puts a shame to Kansas City's defense. And I don't ever remember us having a conversation last year about can a team beat the Ravens, and we're talking about it this morning, can the Bills beat the Chiefs, and one of us thinks it actually will happen. Uh, So I don't think they're very convincing. They have not. Stone, you were were a Miami Dolphins fan. That game wasn't very convincing of a 14-win team when the Chiefs beat the Dolphins. Yes, like two days ago on Sunday, needed a young ho – Young Hoo I guess is how you say his name. Young Hoo Young Huey, excuse me. Young Huey Koo missing a 30-something yard field goal chip shot that goes to overtime, and they may not ever see the ball again. So, and honestly, it's lucky that they're there because A.J. Terrell dropped maybe the easiest clutch time interception of the season against uh, – I don't even know who he's covering – but, yeah, give me a break. The, the Chiefs, they are phenomenal. They have all the talent in the world, but they can't – for the life of them, they cannot blow a team out. And until they, they blow a team out like the Bills are doing right now, I'm not going to call them convincing whatsoever. So, give me – they are – I don't know about the least convincing. The Ravens were really convincing. The Panthers were unbelievable in 2015. The Patriots, I kind of forgot about them. Um, I will say it's least convincing based off of initial thoughts, but – it could be the Patriots team in 16. It could be the – I doubt the Packers going 15-1 and one were very – were not very convincing. So – Donald Driver was definitely popping off that year. Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, trio receivers, dominant. So, I got – yeah, I'll say this is facts because they, they cannot blow a team out for the life of them. I'm going to say it's facts also. I'm guessing the 2010 Patriots were probably favorites and had a nice media narrative to accompany it. Uh, same with the Packers, 2015 Panthers, 15 and one. Uh, I think that that's pretty darn uh, convincing. And of course, Cam with the MVP season, uh, the Patriots in 2016, no one's going to, I, I think narrative matters. That's why I'm saying this because I think with all the other teams, especially the ones that we remember more vividly in the last five years, there was no one talking about legitimate concerns for them losing um, after their first round by in the playoffs. But I think that, Every single show I'm watching now, they're talking about how the Chiefs are really, really vulnerable just because they haven't blown anybody out. Uh, the Ravens last year, um, as we've all remembered and, uh, and recalled for in the last couple minutes, it was, oh my gosh, can anyone stop the Baltimore Ravens? They're unbelievable. Um, the last time before that, the 2016 Patriots, 
uh, everyone's just kind of all on board with, yep, Patriots totally, uh, totally there, convinced to win the Super Bowl. Um, the Panthers in 2015, again, Cam with the MVP caliber season. We're talking about Mahomes kind of uh, having this sort of status where, uh, you know, just because he's Patrick Mahomes, he gets all this praise. But like Jay said, dropped interception by Terrell last week. And then over the last 24 games, like his stats are right there with Ryan Tannehill's. And I don't really think um, Ryan Tannehill, as much as, as impressive as his last couple of seasons have been, he's not, you know, Aaron Rodgers uh, right now. So I'm going to say uh, facts, the Kansas City Chiefs are the least convincing um, 14 and one, potentially 15 and one, uh, assuming that Anthony Lynn uh, manages to find a way to screw up with, despite having the uh, best quarterback in this draft class so far, because two has been Tua um, and uh, Joe Burrow is hurt. Facts or fake news. Number three, Urban Meyer will coach in the NFL next season. Fake news. He's no, he, he, he would come back. He would come back and coach college somewhere. He would not go to the NFL. If, if he, I don't think he'll go. I don't think he'll come back period. But if he did, he'd go to the college game. And I got this as fake news. Look at facts. I think that there, so there are three surefire openings with the Texans Falcons because they fired Quinn and the Lions after Patricia. Um, and I think that it's entirely possible that even Pat Fitzgerald gets a job at one of these places coming out of college. And I think that Urban Meyer is probably going to be the hot commodity um, just with, you know, his success at Ohio State and his knowledge of the game. And there's been some mutual interest between him and NFL teams. I think that he'd be a very attractive head coach, um, in the NFL. And, you know, there are questions about that transition happened with Saban, but I think that urban Meyer would be probably the best fit for these three teams in particular who have uh, a need for a coach right now, but there are some other teams who will probably be in the hunt for one. Also. I just think that urban Meyer is going to find uh, one team where he'll be the next coach. I'm going to say facts also, but I don't even think it's one of those three openings. I think Jacksonville is going to get rid of Marone. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence and, Urban Myers lived in North Florida before. He presumably liked it. He stuck around in Gainesville for five years. Jacksonville's a really nice place. No state income tax. Great weather year-round. You get the best quarterbacking prospects since Andrew Luck. A lot of draft capital. James Robinson's an interesting guy to play around with. DJ Chark's a pretty good wide receiver. You've got an offense there that, with Trevor Lawrence, is at least a five- or six-win team, probably, um, heading into next season if you draft and use your, what I can only assume is just massive amount of cap space well in the offseason. Um, not to mention that he's been around the college game for a while, knows every single prospect from recruiting them, probably not every single one, but at least has some knowledge of guys who are going to go in the first three, four rounds. Uh, I think he's a great hire for Jacksonville, uh, assuming they fire Maroon and get him. And I think that's probably the only place he uh, would want to go. I'm saying fake news. I think um, I don't think Urban Meyer's coaching career is over, but I don't see him going to the NFL. I think, like Jay said, he's going to go to go back to college football. I can see him being the coach of a struggling, big name, big brand college football team, maybe Texas, um, if they do fire Tom Herman. Um, Urban Meyer is the kind of guy that might go coach for his old team's rival, maybe Michigan taking over Harbaugh, um, or a stroke, he could rejoin the SEC struggling. Um, he could join a struggling SEC team in a couple of years. I don't think he's going to be coaching next year, but I think that when he does, it will be in college football, not the NFL next year. Give me a break. He'd be great for Vanderbilt. <laughs> he can no, take he, that job. 
He would be he would be great for anywhere if he wanted to come back. Michigan especially. Uh, Did you y'all see that? As Stone, I saw you shaking your head, but I mean, Urban Meyer, if they gave him a big enough contract at there, Michigan, he just turns down Texas. They were gonna fire no Herbert if they were ready to take it. He said no. Like it's way too much of a headache. He wants he wants a he wants a job he can basically walk into and not have heart attacks again. And I think that the stress of recruiting and college football and constant pressure at one of those places. I mean, if he goes to Jacksonville, he's playing with house money. He basically can't get fired for at least three years. And guess what? If it doesn't work, it's like, it's not going to really damage his legacy. But if he goes to Texas and he can't turn that around, it's like a real stain on his career. I don't think it's, I think if he goes back to college, it's got to be to like basically to succeed a program that is in a really good spot that lost a coach, like to go to the NFL or elsewhere. I don't think he, he's not up for a rebuild. He doesn't want to do that. That's why, that's why he, um, when he left Ohio state, he's been linked to the USC job and the Texas job. He doesn't want that. Those programs are in disarray. All right. Facts or fake news. Number four, the Chicago bears should re-sign Mitch Trubisky. Yes. This is an obvious fact. The bears are averaging 35 points in the last four weeks and they control their own destiny in the playoffs this year. I mean, Chicago with Mr. Risky, they were struggling early in the season, but or midway in the middle part of the season, but they've really turned it around, especially offensively. And I think Mitch is an obvious re-sign um, in Chicago. And that's coming from a guy who hates UNC. Jay, I'm sure you agree with me. I have been – not only do I go to UNC, but my little brother is one of two, three – three like true bears fans that I know. And so I hear a lot of Mitch Trubisky talk from either myself, my parents, or from Will. And he has not liked Mitch Trubisky the past couple of years, because whenever somebody brings up or whenever he tries to talk positive about Mr. Trubisky, some people, me included bring up, Oh, look who you could have. Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. He just immediately just shuts the operation down and just shuts up. But he actually, and I agree with him, the Bears, think about this. Nick Foles played six games, went one and five. Imagine if Trubisky plays in those games and does not have to come off cold against Green Bay. They, Nick Foles, God, God, I don't know how this happened. The one w- win Nick Foles got was against Tampa. Like, how in the world is that the one game you win, especially after the way they looked last week? But Trubisky, how do I how do I say this without sounding ridiculous? He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not even no, Lamar was the year after. So he's not one of those two guys. He probably never will be but he and Matt Nagy have something cooking that you just can't get rid of like who are you going to find that's better who you're you're a game in you're either in the playoffs or a game out so you're picking late teens in the draft unless you trade up obviously who are you going to find that's going to be Dak Prescott's going to be worth everything but he's going to demand everything he's going to ma- demand soldier field to be shipped off to dallas who are you going to find that's cheap enough that gives you the same kind of production that mitch trubisky has that because since you can't draft without giving up significant assets and the last time the bears traded up to get a quarterback was trubisky that did, didn't work out so well with that trade so i think they re-sign him 
I don't know how it'd probably be probably be three years. I don't think they'd go any longer than that. But I think what what they screwed themselves because they took they declined his fifth year player option for next year, and now they have to give him a long term contract. So if they want to keep him, which I don't see a reason why you give him up, especially the success as you mentioned Taft over the past month, starting off three and zero, even though he did get benched against Atlanta. They're rolling right now. Like David Montgomery is dominating in the run game. Allen Robinson is an elite wide receiver. Jimmy Graham had a resurgence last week. Like, where in the world did that come from? And they've got oh yeah, they've got a top five defense. So yeah, I think they re-sign him. They're if they make the playoffs, they're scary. Um, but they may not because they get Green Bay this week, who's actually playing for something, and they need the Cardinals to lose, and John Wolford is playing the Cardinals. So the Bears may end up out of the playoffs, but I think they still re-sign Mitch. On that note, the only thing that would cement my theory that Cliff Kingsbury is a bottom five coach in the NFL would be him losing to John Wolford and losing a playoff spot. I would find that so hilarious, and I think it would be really awesome for football for all of us to realize that just because you got fired from Texas tech, but have a cool offense doesn't mean you will survive in any other job, especially not in the national football league. It's going to look really bad because the Rams don't have a quarterback and they probably, they don't have cam Akers and they don't have their second string running back, Daryl Henderson. Can they please elevate B Perkins Perkins off the practice squad? Telling people like, how does, He's How does McVeigh not love that as like a chess piece in his offense? I know. I, that's what I don't get. McVeigh is totally botching uh, one of the best talents he's ever found as an undrafted free agent. Uh, out of co- Okay, I'm totally Jay. I just wanted to see your facial reaction there, and it gave me everything I wanted. Now, in the National Football League, the only thing worse than not than overpaying a quarterback is not having one. The only thing you can do that is any worse than overpaying a quarterback is deciding, you know, we're just going to throw it all into the draft. No quarterback who's going to get an extension in the next 10 years is going to be worth the money. The market is going to have to correct for them um, to, or, uh, besides, beside Mahomes. Um, but I'm saying I, – I personally think Deshaun Watson is worth everything the Houston Texans have plus some. Like they cannot give him enough to keep him in That's that probably time. true. But I'm saying as a percentage of salary cap, you, quarterbacks are going to be overpaid for the next 10 years until we kind of like figure out, oh, okay, maybe this guy that we took in the 20s who has been a starter for eight games isn't worth it in his third year. Um, but the only thing worse than overpaying a quarterback is not having one. The bears have one right now. His name is Mitch Trubisky. He's pretty good. Um, and his numbers, although he's not as sexy as Deshaun Watson is, his passing numbers are a little off. He has, I think one more win than Watson does. Obviously Deshaun Watson, if I have to build a team around him, I'm taking him over Mitch Trubisky every day of the week. But the point is that Trubisky's probably 17, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in that range among starting quarterbacks in this league, maybe a little higher. Um, on some of his best weeks, he certainly looked at in the past month. Absolutely re-sign him. Um, not picking up the fifth-year option is probably going to be regrettable because they're going to have to give him so much money uh, when they have to extend him. I guess would that would that be this year? Like that this offseason? Have to this, up, this upcoming offseason, they are going to have to re-sign him or see him walk. But I say, uh, I say facts. The Bears should and hopefully will um, for the sake of the NFC North uh, re-sign Mr. Trubisky. It's fun having him up there. It's fun seeing Twitter blow up every time he has – his inevitable bad game. William, facts, fake news, re-sign Mitch. Yeah, I'm going to go with the rest of you guys and go facts. And I think that a lot of Mitch Trubisky's success can be attributed to David Robinson, or not David Robinson, David Montgomery's resurgence in the backfield. I don't even know why I said David Robinson. Shout out to the Admiral. Um, quadruple double, baby. <laughs> quadruple double. Wow, that's weird. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it very surprising at David Montgomery. I think he's had a stretch of – 
what is he had like 27 fan plus fantasy points over the past four weeks last week he kind of had an off week but still rushed for about 95 yards and two touchdowns um and I think with Allen Robinson there, I don't know if he's going to stay there, honestly, because he said he wanted out of Chicago, but that was when they were struggling a little bit in the middle of the season. And now with Trubisky looking a little more consistent, I think Robinson will stay there. And like you guys have said, very, very dangerous playoff team, the Bears could be. And this defense, I don't know, with a couple more assets, I think that they could kind of return to the near the 85 Bears defense echelon. But... I like Trubisky where he is right now. Um, and next year they'll have Tariq Cohen back. They have a lot of offensive weapons with Mooney, Montgomery, and Robinson. So I think that they should definitely sign Trubisky. I'm going to put all of you guys on the spot here before we hit number five. Um, and a brief aside from facts or fake news. Uh, you each have um, 40 seconds to say three NFL players that you want to see out of their current locations right now. Yes, two of them can be Houston Texans. Jake, go ahead. Sam Darnold. Oh, Lord. Um, Deshaun Watson and Aaron Jones. Because Aaron Jones is a freak at running back, and they just don't give him the ball because Aaron Rodgers is trying to win MVP. And the, the Green Bay Packers don't have a mentality. They want to run the ball. So Aaron Jones put – Put Aaron Jones on somebody. What's a good team example? Put him. Put him in Buffalo with Josh Allen. See what happens. All right. Well done, Jack. Uh, who's next? William, you got names or you need a second? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to go off the cuff. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, simply because I, I want the Panthers to draft a quarterback and I want him out. Um, let's see. Uh, wow. Um, you want to circle back? You want to circle back and go to Taft? Then I can pick up on my time. Yes, you'll pick up your time. You have 23 seconds left. Taft, go ahead. 40 on the clock. All right. So, Joe Burrow out of Cincinnati, obviously. Um, I think he could do so much. I think he could take a team to the playoffs, but he's not. I don't see him doing that in Cincinnati for the foreseeable future. Um, Cam Newton, get him out of New England. I think Bill Belichick deserves a better quarterback than that. And then I'm going to go OJ Howard just because the Bucks have so many weapons that he doesn't get any targets. And I think that he would be a top tight end at any other NFL team. All right, William, I'll give you a little more time because I feel like it's unfair for me to go dead last, even though this is my idea and I've been thinking about it for a couple of seconds and I'm still not really sure what I'm going with. All right. So, Number one, I would say J.J. Watt. I would love to see J.J. Watt on another team. I think he's unhappy in Houston. The little press conference thing the other day uh, was disappointing. I would love to see him on an actual playoff team and be a guy like Aaron Donald um, who can actually like you know make plays in the playoffs. I'm not saying get J.J. Watt out of Houston because he's bad. I'm saying this for his sake. I want J.J. Watt to go somewhere else. Um, for now, actually, no, James Robinson did say put. I want to see how he plays with Trevor Lawrence. Um, I would love to see... Uh, Alan Robinson out of Chicago, even though I love Mitch, I would love it if he could go somewhere else. And then lastly, I'm going to say Devin Singletary, because I think he's really good, but obviously Alan has dicks. That one I just totally pulled out. I have no idea. That was just crumbling. Stone, Stone I... William, last time, every, take last, every second you can get here. Let Jay's aside. The, the last time Green Bay played Chicago, you and I, I think I put up on social media that 
it was time to free Allen Robinson or get him an get him an actual quarterback, I've changed my stance on that. It is as Matthew Barry says all the time on uh, in the fantasy football realm. It's time to free Aaron Jones from the Green Bay Packers backfield. In my opinion, that's that is like Sam Donald's up there, Deshaun Watson's up there, but it's time to get Aaron Jones a spot where he can be a perennial All Pro, like I think he has the potential to be. Actually. Saquon Barkley. I'm just going to throw that in after the fact. Uh, William, are you ready now? All right. Wait, All right. Let, me get you down. let me get you down to your 23 seconds you had left. Go ahead. All right. Perfect. Okay. I'm going to go with the guy from the Lions. I think he's a third string running back right now. Carry on Johnson had some good flat. Okay. I saw Jay's face, but I don't care. I've seen good flash. I've seen flashes from him, I think in his rookie year and he could be a star elsewhere. Uh, I'm also going to go with Terry McLaurin. Now he has no one to throw. No one. <laughs> Alex Smith can't throw to Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins is gone. So he needs to go. That was very impressive for the last 23 seconds though. Carry on Johnson was an impressive pull. Um, Taylor Matthew, Sta- Matthew Stafford needs to be on the top of that Lions list. If you're going to pick a lion, it's got to be oh. Matthew. Oh, dude, it's carry on Johnson. It's the poor true. guy had like a good year. He just got injured. And then they bring in DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson. Stafford. Now he gets like no carries. Stafford in New England. All right. Dude, put Carry on Johnson in Buffalo. He's way better than Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. No, he's he's third string. All right, no, facts or not. fake news number five. Trevor Lawrence should win the Heisman. This was our viewer question of the week uh, from Will Hardesty. Do we think Back, Trevor Lawrence should background? Win? Will Hardesty, if you're watching this, you are the man, and I love you. He is phenomenal. I met him at Camp Cheerio Stone. You know how like much of time I spent there. He's the man. Goes to Broughton High School. Hopefully, goes to Carolina. Uh, I think it gets into this whole MVP most deserving versus best player uh, argument that we have in literally every sports league ever, youth league, middle school, high school, college, professional. I am of the belief that LeBron James should win the NBA MVP every single year because he is the best player in the NBA. Um, Mahomes, frankly – not this year because he hasn't played like it at all. And honestly, I would take Aaron Rodgers right now over Patrick Mahomes. But at last year, see, I'm, I'm going back on my words here. The NFL is a little different because you've got guys who can do just completely dominate. Like the NBA, we haven't seen somebody dominate the league. Like Giannis has been great, but – his team is just like you always you don't bet on the bucks you don't bet on the bucks even though they have Giannis, even though uh kyle floyd was asking if he will win his third straight mvp i don't think he will you don't bet to average 50 and 25 yeah so the heisman should go to the best player in college football and i think if Trevor Lawrence ended his college career without a Heisman Trophy, it would be one of the biggest failures of the Heisman Trophy committee to probably ever. He and Andrew Luck and Christian McCaffrey at the top of that list. But I I definitely think he should. I think this is facts. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Jay. I think Trevor Lawrence is one of the best college football players of the 21st century. What he's done in his three years at Clemson has just been remarkable. I mean, he's made them a national championship contender his entire time um, at Clemson. Even as a freshman, he was just remarkable when he took over Kelly Bryant's starting position. 
And if you look at Trevor Lawrence's stats per game this season, they're better than the past two years. I mean, he has more yards per game. He has a higher average, um, more touchdowns per game as well. Trevor Lawrence is the best player in college football, and he's also the best NFL prospect for a reason. Uh, I think that if he didn't have his two-week COVID hiatus, I think he would be the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. And I think Trevor Lawrence should win the Heisman Trophy, but I don't think he will. I think Devontae Smith has locked up the award this year, and it is a disgrace that Trevor Lawrence will go um, into the NFL not being in the Heisman Trophy room. Uh, I think this is fake news. Devontae Smith is the best player in college football. Um, <laughs> now, you could make – he is definitely the most valuable player on Alabama, and they do have some other names that you could put up for consideration. Alex Leatherwood, Landon Dickerson, Mac Jones. But the production – I mean, when you look at it from a production standpoint, what Devontae Smith has done week in and week out is incredible. And there is absolutely no one in the country who has been able to guard him. He is Derek Stingley's father. I've seen that multiple times. And the guy just seemingly gets open for 60-yard touchdowns every play. Um, and, yes, I, I will agree with you. I think that if Trevor Lawrence was able to play and didn't have that little COVID hiatus, he would probably be the Heisman favorite right now. And we saw how Clemson dominated Notre Dame after not having Lawrence that first meeting. But I think that it's really hard to ignore Smith's production, and I think it would be a massive snub not to have him win the Heisman, even though he is a wide receiver. I'm just going to say, if a guy as a starting quarterback is 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33 and one in his three years with your program has started in three national championship games. And if we knew two, oh, wait, they lost. Wait, he's only played, he's only played in two. Okay. Um, has played in two national championship games. And is the consensus number one pick and was the consensus number one pick in 2018. People were like, Trevor Lawrence is going number one in 2021. And he is not your Heisman Trophy. And he does not have at least one Heisman Trophy winner. It's definitely a bigger miss than Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck never made it to a national championship. Clemson in all like, uh, or not in all likelihood, they still have to take care of business this week. But I mean, he's 33 and one as a starter is going to be the best um, player in this draft class by far, I think. Um, I don't know how he doesn't win the Heisman Trophy. I think we do, we have kind of arrived at this place where it's becoming like the NBA, where it's like, oh, we don't want to give it to the favorite because it's not as fun. Um, if you're going to award it just on stats, then you should give it to Kyle Trask. If you're going to award it exclusively on stats and touchdowns, then it should be Kyle Trask's. If you're not going to do that, then I'm, I'm excluding win-loss record. But if you were, I mean, he's got better numbers than Tim Tebow had. And Tim Tebow won the Heisman in 2007. I don't think he, I don't think he should win the Heisman. I think the Heisman should go to Trevor Lawrence, but if it's a stats alone thing, then it should go to Kyle Trask. If it's not a stats alone thing, then give it to, um, then give it to Trevor Lawrence, but we're going to be at this weird middle ground where it's a guy who has a weapon, who has also has a really good quarterback and all of those things. And it's going to go to Devonte Smith. Um, but Trevor Lawrence should absolutely win the Heisman trophy. Jay, what was your face about Trask? Let's have this debate now. What we're here. Let's, let's talk. Stone. If it is a stats alone conversation, Kyle Trask's stats alone are if better. If it's than a stats alone country. conversation, it goes to Devontae Smith. Do we think that a wider do we think that him as a wide receiver is more valuable to Alabama, him alone, than Kyle Trask is to Florida? 
Take yes. Devontae Smith out. Yes. Yes. Who do they? No, no, Jaleel no, Billingsley you're, and you're, John you're, Mechie if they don't have Jalen Waddle? You are ridiculous if you think that Devontae Smith is more valuable as a receiver with John Mechie on the other side of the field with Najee. John Mechie hasn't done anything. Than Kyle Trask is to Florida. That is delusional, and you know it too. And it's going to be crazy because when Emory Jones has to start next season or Richardson or whoever ends up starting with a lot of those same weapons back and they go like eight and four, we're going to see just how valuable Kyle Trask was. They don't have the same, they're not going to have the same weapons back. Well, losing Tony and Pitts is losing like 75% of your offensive production. Yeah, I know, but like Justin Porter is going to get better and you've still got both those mediocre running backs, I think. (laughs) I don't even know any running back on Florida. Let's just, let's have this Heisman conversation now. What should the top criteria be to win the Heisman Trophy? Stats. Stats? I don't think think so. Stats. Well, and your team has to be in that top tier. You have you got to be a top ten team and have the best stats. That's basically what you're saying. I say that it. I used to be when I was very young. I used to think the best player on the best team deserved the trophy. And that was the case with Derrick Henry over Christian McCaffrey, who I will go to my grave saying was the biggest Heisman stub in the history of college football. Literally, quite literally broke Barry Sanders' single-season total yards record, had the most yards in the single season in the history of college football, and did not win the Heisman. And five, five Rose Bowl touchdowns? Yeah, so it just went berserk against Iowa and did not win the Heisman Trophy. So it's, it's tough because – you want to go stats, but then you have guys like Kyle Trask who are just clearly not clearly not better than people like Trevor Lawrence, who have better stats because they played more games and, frankly, they don't sit out the fourth quarter because they're not blowing teams out like Clemson as they play the whole entirety of a game. Um, like two years ago, Stone, it's very close to you. Tua Tagovailoa did not play in the fourth quarter of like nine games. And Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy because he had better stats. But up until like the conference championship game, we all knew who the better player was and who the Heisman favorite was, and that was Tua. He just didn't have the stats to have enough numbers to keep up with Kyler. So stats are misleading a lot of times because you have the guys either missing games during the season due to injury this year due to opt-out, this year due to COVID. Or you just got guys like Kyler Murray who play on teams with quite literally no defense who just have to throw it all around the yard the entire game. And so stats are – personally, win-loss, like impact on your team winning and losing has got to be – like you saw – well – I don't. It, it's really tough because t- Tua was phenomenal, but Bama's offense is maybe even better with Mac Jones, and that's crazy to think. But I don't. I'll rip tough. into Tua. By the way, I'm not going to, but I'm glad to rip into Tua right now because it's kind of where I am. Uh, yeah. Jeff, what do you think the criteria should be for the Heisman Trophy? I think the first thing, like you guys are saying, is stats. But stats given competition. Kyle Trask, Trevor Lawrence, maybe. Devontae Smith, they're playing in the Power Five. They're going up against good defenses, and their stats are merited, whereas you could give it to the Buffalo running back who ran for, what, eight touchdowns or the absurd stat, but he's playing against scrub defenses. So I think stats given competition is the first thing. And then I think, secondly, it is how he leads the team and how the team ends up doing that year. Kyle Trask, if Florida was undefeated and 
in the college football playoff, I think he'd be the Heisman favorite without a doubt. But they lost to Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and Alabama, um, and they lost to LSU. So I think that put Kyle Trask out of the conversation. And then Devontae Smith, yeah, he has the best stats. But then again, his value to Alabama is not as high as Trevor Lawrence's value to Clemson. Clemson without Trevor Lawrence, they might still win the ACC. They probably wouldn't beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship. I mean, they didn't beat him the first time without him. Devontae Smith, Alabama without Devontae Smith would have still won the SEC most likely. There's all this, like, there's all this talk about how, well, you can't really define most valuable. And we try to reinvent the wheel on, well, what does valuable really mean? Is it a numbers thing? Is it an intangible thing? I think it's just got to be more of a gut thing of the person who, uh, of the person who, if you take them away from their team, like basically the person most valuable should mean if you take away their value to that team, how much, like how important are they to their team's success on the field and how important is their presence to their team winning? Um, And I think that's why it skews quarterback because quarterback is the most important position in football. Um, I don't, I hope we're not going to get any dispute on that. Um, And when you're talking about the person who is most valuable, I don't, I think it's, it's Trevor Lawrence. I mean, with, he is, he has made Clemson football somehow even better than it was before. And they were really freaking good with Deshaun Watson. Um, So I think it's a combination of that. And then I think on top of that, it's gotta be the most impressive player, the guy who you watch and you just go, Holy cow with the skill set, And you look at him and go, he's just unbelievable. So that combined um, with the value. And again, that is obviously given competition. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, whatever the running backs name is up in Buffalo, that he should win the Heisman trophy because of that. Uh, Basically though, the guy who is the biggest freak, if that makes sense, the person you look at and say he's the most talented player in college well, football. That, that that player this year is Kyle Pitts. Yeah, but the, he didn't play enough. He didn't play enough games, but you're talking about freak. That is like the most dominant athlete on the field. That is Kyle Pitts. And William, who who, who are you? Najee or who are you talking about? Devontae Smith. Smith, but it's just like a very nuanced criteria if we're just talking about like athletic freak then yes well, I, i'm not i don't agree with it either i'm just saying if you're going to do that then kyle pitts far in my mind far as far and away is like who's harder to cover kyle pitts or Devontae smith pitts i'm going pitts because pitts, he's that's ah. what that's what stone's trying to say with that I think the only place the only place this conversation has gotten us is to realizing that awards are basically screwed and that there's nothing you can do to redefine them that makes it absent debate. May I just say that a Heisman moment also plays into this conversation. Does Kyle Pitts or not Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask or Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence have a defining Heisman moment from this past season? I'm going I mean, they to, go out there and they throw copy for... paste Trevor Lawrence's run against Ohio State because that technically still that happened was in 2020. <laughs> How about Devontae Smith's one-handed touchdown against LSU? How about his three touchdown, 240-yard game? No, um, I, 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 let me let me get let me make this very clear, William. I think you've taken me on the wrong foot here. I do agree. I would bet on Devontae Smith to win the Heisman this year. I think he deserves it. Great. I think he will win it. I don't think he should win it. I don't. I think he will win it. Um, so let me, let me lay that baseline out there. He is phenomenal. I still don't think he's better than Jamar chase, but that's a debate for another time in the upcoming draft. Trevor Lawrence. It's, it's different because 
he doesn't have the numbers. He, he's missed games, and when he does play in games, like the Georgia Tech game, when they win 73-9 and throw their punter in at quarterback, he doesn't play the whole game. So – I think you I know. I, I agree. I, I see. This is saying. one of the, this is one of those years where, like, there's and it does. I'm an NFL draft guy, and it does take. It's one of these rare years. It's kind of like the Cam Newton year, where you have a clear and obvious first overall pick, and that means he is the best. Like numbers throw numbers, team win loss record, everything out the window. He is the best player in college football. He is the consensus number one pick has been for three years. He is so like, if you were to pick, if you were to draft college football teams right now, you would start with Trevor Lawrence period. End of story. If you go say against that, you're just absolutely insane. And that right there, like he is, he doesn't have the numbers and that's what makes it hard, but he is the best player in college football. And it's, I'm not going to say it's not close, but he's just so, so good that it's hard to not give him that yeah. award. Yeah, I agree. I think that in his three years, he definitely should have won a Heisman at least and once. What's, um, what's yeah. even more of a travesty is he may not even win the Maxwell Award for college quarterback of the year because Mac Jones may get it because he's on Alabama. That's, that's yeah. the real problem. That's the real problem. I think even though we don't all – agree on who should win the Heisman Trophy this year. I think that we can agree on the fact that this year's Heisman Trophy in a weird year with COVID and Trevor Lawrence missing two games and not not having every team play a full schedule. I think the Heisman Trophy this year should be more of a debate and it not should it shouldn't be Devontae Smith as the clear winner. Um, he's minus 180 right now. Trevor Lawrence is plus 200 something. I think that there should be more of a debate in the Heisman Trophy room on who should get the award. Because Trevor Lawrence, for his work at Clemson the past three years, I think deserves the Heisman Trophy more than Devontae Smith's impressive 10 games in the SEC this year. All right. Very spirited debate. You won't get one final sentence for a bold prediction or thing you wish you had time to say on this conversation or on any topic that we talked about today. I'll start off. The Cleveland Browns are going to miss the playoffs, period. Trevor Lawrence would win the Heisman Trophy if he didn't miss two games because of COVID, period. The Kansas City Chiefs are not winning the Super Bowl. Devontae Smith is better than Jamar Chase. All right. See, I feel like both those sentences would have had I know where that shot's going. Period at the end of them. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Stone Cold Sports Talk, episode 30. A lot of huge NFL games, a lot of huge college football games this week. This is kind of, you know, we're ending 2020 on a good note, at least in the world of sports. Thank you all for tuning in. Not if you're a North Carolina fan. Good Lord. Can we have anybody, anybody want to come play uh running back or wide receiver for us? Can Florida and Carolina just combine their rosters and like play both bowl games, like play one bowl game Wednesday and then one on like Saturday, do like a little joint camp thing. Cause I think that between the two of them, one of them, they could probably combine feeling a team that's competitive uh, with Oklahoma, um, and uh, in Texas A&M. All right. I'd sure, I'd sure as hell hope so. There, there'd be no re- – we'd have Daz Newsom at receiver, and that's it. Like, we would not – we'd have to run the ball the entire time. Yeah. It'd be the Javante – it'd be the uh, – no, Javante's not playing. 
Is Michael no, Carter he, playing? Of course, he opts out week of. Don't get me started on this nonsense. It'd be the Damian but, Pierce, Malik Davis, Sam Howell, Justin Shorter. Uh, is Surratt out, right? So no, Surratt's out. I am all for people opting out of a bowl game, but not like this. But, for the love of God, do not do it the week of the game when your teammates did it a week before. For the uh, of in, mm, God, go ahead, Storm take Duck, it. Away. Storm uh, Duck is still available, is he not? So is Tony Storm Grimes. Duck, Storm Duck has been hurt for God knows how long, and I don't know how long he's going to play. So this uh, definitely never going to end. All right, we're going to end it now. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a good week. Uh, happy belated, uh, merry belated Christmas, and happy New Year. Uh, we watch will the cheese at bowl tonight. Twenty one. Watch the cheese at bowl.